Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Shaver, joined by Michael Brunts, who will try to mute me multiple times during this Zoom podcast, and Brian Christopherson, who has no control. I have no power. What was that? I have no power over here. You are wise to not give me any uh, any resources to work with. I don't really have any either. It's Brunts that's calling the shots, and on previous iterations of this podcast was coldly trying to shut me up so we had to start over uh Brunt, what do you have to say for yourself i'm just indiscriminately muting it's like shotgun blast muting and i apologize hey schaefer do you think it's really strange that Brunt sits in a in a really high chair that's elevated off the ground while he does these podcasts with us yeah i do one of the reasons i don't have video on is that we don't have much furniture left so i'm actually sitting on the ground like doing this podcast because we I don't really have anywhere else to be. So I I don't want to take too many shots at him because I'm in a weird spot myself right now. All right, fair enough. I, this this is actually a regular height heighted chair. I just have the computer sitting on the floor. Why? I don't know. The same reason like- the same reason you're sitting on the floor. You lack furniture too? Yes. Yeah, well, I suppose we both should be asking for furniture from Santa. All right. Let's. Uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you doing? Brunson spent this entire podcast of his glasses off his face, waving them around. And then he's just shoving them in front of the camera. I don't know. Is this professional? What are we even doing here? <laughs> it's post signing day. I don't know. Lighten up. All right. Fine. Signing day was yesterday. Nebraska signed how many players, Brian Christopherson? Uh, they signed uh, 13, 13 high school guys, and they could not talk about uh, some of the transfer guys we could talk about, though, like Tommy Hill and uh, yep. and uh, Boom Sheeney, the punter. Uh, that's the nickname from Montana, who I talked to. He was pretty interesting. So we can go through all those guys, too. Yeah. Uh, it was 12 high school guys and one junior college guy, Deshaun oh, Singleton. You're right. You're right. Uh, Deshaun Singleton. So we'll, we'll run through that list actually um, really quick, but I, I want to start with this. Nebraska is still in the, the high fifties in terms of where it's recruiting class sits. However, knowing what you knew coming into the start of the season with how slow recruiting had been and knowing what you knew where they sat at the end of November, how do you feel like the Huskers managed the last two weeks while also trying to hire uh, multiple people to put on their staff. We'll start with Michael Brooks. The class ended up bigger than I thought it would be for like high school and JUCO guys. Um, you know, they finished with a flourish. I think kind of looking at some of those guys that were added late, um, you know, I'm, I, they're expecting Jaden Gould, I think, to come in and help right away. But it seems like a lot of those late guys are – developmental type players um singleton being the exception as a juco guy i think they also want him to come in and help right away but that to me is kind of the way this class breaks down is it seems like a lot of the guys that they got are you know it's going to be divided where you have like the high school guys that you know you you can kind of squirrel away and and let them develop for a couple years and then whoever you get out of the portal that those are going to be the guys that are going to need to help you win in 2022 and to kind of keep things rolling here. So that I think that's kind of how I've divided it in my head. And as we get, I guess we get into the the guys that they did sign. 
you can tell me I'm wrong there, but it, it, uh, you know, as much as I talk about, you know, it being post signing day or whatever, I think this year more than any, it's kind of felt less like, okay, this is a kind of a, an end point for Nebraska's efforts and more so as, as kind of like a, it's kind of like you're getting ready to play the back nine right now, I guess, is the way I would put it. I mean, there's still a lot of work to do for the staff. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. BC, Scott Frost ran through every player that they signed yesterday. Were any of his comments, did any of them stand out to you as he was kind of talking about all the way from Chase Androff to, uh, oh, I don't know who the last player would have been alphabetically, <clears throat> but let's just say it was Deshaun Singleton. Anything stand out of, of how he ran through that list? I thought his uh, comments on Richard Torres were actually kind of interesting. Um, you know, I know because of the, the knee injury to Torres and the kind of thought process that a, a first-year freshman isn't going to come in here and just take the job, which I also maintain. Um, people kind of have put him, I feel like, to the back burner for a QB recruit. But I thought it was – noteworthy how frost said i think he has a lead arm talent and frankly is was just under recruited because he's at a high school that college programs don't walk through the hallways as much as some other places and uh otherwise and maybe had he had his full year this year uh he would have been in higher demand so you know i'm not saying like i expect richard torres to come in here and off an injury like that and suddenly be the right in the middle of the conversation next August, but I do think it's kind of exciting or hopeful to hear those comments and then pair it with the idea of, uh, you know, Mark Whipple, um, you know, and what, what we heard about Richard Torres also from Sean Becton is he's a guy with some flavor as he put it, some guy with some swagger and personality. And I don't know, maybe it kind of meshes well with what we heard from Whipple the other day. So that kind of, that kind of popped out to me. Bruns, BC already has uh, Richard Torres at the top of the depth chart for the spring. Who stood out to you when Scott Frost ran through the names? Yeah, the, well, the Torres thing is interesting because I think probably he more than anybody benefits from the whatever this offense is going to look like, right? I mean, it, it it's probably going to veer more pro, a little bit more pro style, maybe a little less running. I mean, it seems like that would fit him better than what Nebraska has been doing the last four years. That was always kind of the thing that early on with Torres, I wasn't really sure how he was going to fit. I mean, you know, you got Logan Smothers running the ball 22 times a game. That's not Torres's game, you know, like that. that so I, I, he's more of an intriguing prospect to me now than he was, you know, before the, the, the November break. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I am, and I've been high on him for a while. BC wrote a great story. People should check that out at Husker 24-7. But for me right now, if I had to, like, rank this class, I think my number one guy would be Victor Jones. I, I like the makeup of him. I think that he had uh, productive seasons. I think he's got the ability as a wide receiver to, to go up and get the ball and to, to make plays in tight spaces, get good hands. He just – he does all the things well. He felt like someone that Nebraska, I think, is fortunate stuck with them. I mean, he committed in April, April 1st, didn't visit until they played. Um, who do they play on Labor Day weekend? 
they, they added that game late. The FCS school they played this year. I can, I'm drawing a blank Fordham. He came in for the Fordham game and um, he was a guy that I think they're fortunate. He stuck with them when he had other opportunities. And I, I think with Mickey Joseph, he's going to be uh, a pretty good wide receiver for this program moving forward. So he kind of stood out to me. And then, I, you know, Jaden Gold was – or Jaden Gold was a nice get for Nebraska. We just lost Brian Christofferson. I'm listening. I'm here. All right. Well, we still have – we still have Michael Brunch. Uh, today's podcast brought to you by Technical Difficulties. <laughs> um, Jaden Gould – or Gold. Is it Gold or Gould? It's, it's spelled like Gould, and he said Gold. I, I've, I've been pronouncing it Gould. Yeah. We'll just go with Jaden. Okay. Jaden from New Jersey uh, was a guy that I kind of forgot about this. Nebraska was after him early in his recruiting process before he committed to USC and he had been out to campus before uh, he showed up in December. And so he knows this program pretty well. Mike Dawson does a really nice job with his relationships in New Jersey. The thing about him that's fascinating is that I think we're projecting him to be a corner to start with but there's a good chance that he's on the whole path to moving down to the second level. Uh, and, and really, if you kind of listen to how Scott Frost talked about him, um, that seemed more apparent to me on Wednesday than really ever before. And so while it seems like they have a bunch of guys in the secondary, really they have some guys that are going to ultimately be second level players. So that's something to kind of consider as you parse through who's in this class when you have Jaleel Martin, Gage Stinger, and then uh, and Jaden as well. So uh, keep that in mind as you as you sort of uh, look at everybody. Brian, you're back. I am. Sorry, uh, got knocked off there. The, the other you, guy. You want me to repeat everything I said? <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> if you'd catch me up to speed with the rest of the yeah, crowd. Here's, here, I'll give you the synopsis that I could have really shortened myself. Uh, Jaden is someone who could end up as a different position than defensive back. And that was one of the takeaways I had from Frost as well. He could be a guy that grows into being a linebacker, outside linebacker type. So um, between him and, and Victor Jones, those are probably the top two guys in the class uh, in my mind. Let's jump over to the transfer portal. Brian Buschini, Timmy Bleakroad, Tommy Hill, Kevin Williams. Nebraska's got four guys in right now. They're going to take some more. Uh, what – Michael Brunch, what does it say to you that two of their transfer additions are currently FCS specialists? And productive FCS specialists, which I think has been the difference based on kind of who they've added in the past. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, Nebraska had to address field goal kicking and punting this offseason. It sounds like they're still headed towards – some kind of special teams coordinator coming on board, likely Bill Bush, but that's not finalized yet. Um, but they've added the FCS punter of the year, um, Timmy Bleakroad from uh, from Furman, who was very good as a, a kicker inside 40 yards, uh, very consistent there. So, you know, the, the I've always kind of said there's two ways you can go about it. I mean, you can try and, you know, do scheme and emphasize everything and, and whatever on special teams, but a way to get really good fast is to find the right guys that can come in and do the job. And we'll see if these are the guys. 
I, I feel like based on past um, body of work, these guys maybe stand a little bit better chance than some of the other options that we've seen in the past, whether they're, you know, third string guys from power five programs or uh, waiters at, at Lincoln dining establishments, you know, that they've kind of run the gamut there. So I, I like the additions. It seems like they, they you know, are, are kind of plug and play guys. So we'll see if that, ha- if that happens, but um, you know, they, they've fixed the kickoff issue with Brendan Frankie. Uh, we'll see if they can do the same with, with uh, these two guys that they've added out of the portal. You see, you talked to Kevin Williams, the, uh, the former Omaha North Viking. He was at Northern Colorado for a little bit. I think this one maybe caught people by surprise. Nebraska went ahead full scholarship. What do you think they're going to get with Kevin Williams and how did that conversation go? Um, I think he's, I think he's a critical piece, actually, and even more so now when you factor in the Cameron Jurgens decision to leave because Nebraska is going to have to shuffle that interior around. I mean, I think Frost even the other day mentioned uh, New Illy as a center possibility. And so basically you could have left guard and right guard wide open for guys to win the jobs. Um, if you did something like that, um, obviously people are pretty intrigued what Henry Latovsky is going to do, but I, I like the Kevin Williams pickup on the surface because, uh, you know, they, they watched the film of him and it is limited film, but he does have some tape of him working against like Colorado and some power five competition. And I think they really like his tools and his size. And he's a guy who, um, is proud to be uh, a Nebraska guy who uh, is from the Omaha area where the Huskers have struggled sort of to recruit of late. And he wants to have success and be one of those examples to other guys in that area. Like, Hey, uh, you know, you, you can go to Nebraska and have success and, and, and that can be a real thing again. So I think he's, uh, he's arriving on January 8th and uh he's planning to come in and win a starting job there was no bones about that from him so he's not a guy who's uh sort of thinking like i'm gonna dip my toes in he knows his job is to go out there and and see if he can be one of the main five right away yeah the other guy they they added um late on monday or not late on monday but on monday afternoon early evening tommy hill and tommy hill represents i think part of the value of the transfer portal for a place like nebraska that even if you come in second or third with a recruit during his high school recruiting process, that relationship could carry over. Tommy Hill was a guy who really wanted to visit Nebraska during the pandemic. It never happened. He fell in with, uh, with Herm Edwards and, and Chris Hawkins. He really liked those two guys with Arizona state. He goes to Arizona state, gets to spend the spring or the spring with Chris Hawkins. Hawkins gets put on administrative leave because of his role in uh, some potential recruiting environment recruiting violations for Arizona state. And it just felt like Hill didn't trust what was happening um, with the sun devils. And so he opened things back up and right there's Nebraska. And then he finally gets to take that visit and he commits on the spot. And so I, I think, you know, Tommy Hill is going to give himself an opportunity to take Cam Taylor Britt's open role that he's vacating as he's moving on to the NFL opposite of, of Quentin Newsom. Um, I think Hill's going to have that opportunity, but I, I think more than anything, Hill just represents why Nebraska has to work so hard and even finishing second or third, 
because you might get another shot at these guys, you want to maintain that relationship. And, and I think that's what played out with Travis Fisher, Scott Frost, and, and Tommy Hill as well. All right, let's, uh, let's finish up our recruiting conversation with a discussion on everyone's favorite topic. Who the hell is going to play quarterback in 2022 because it ain't Miles Brennan? What do you got, Bruns? Well, it's, it's not Miles Brennan. It's not Dylan Gabriel. We, we know that as well. What about Spencer Rattler? Uh, who? Spencer Rattler. Also not Spencer Rattler. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's tough because Mark Whipple has only been in Lincoln since, what, Friday last week? And I would imagine, you know, that there's probably a little bit of kind of looking around at what's in the portal that has to take place. I'm also curious to see if, if more guys kind of show up in the next week or so as school ends around the country. I mean, you had Emory Jones end up in the portal uh, this morning. That's another kind of big power five name. So, I mean, there, there's still really good options in the portal. And I, I do wonder, though, if we're starting to hit a little bit of a, uh, a point where you're going to see more dominoes falling quickly because it had been pretty quiet. Then you had Rattler make his decision. You know, you got Gabriel and, and Brennan today. So you, you're, you kind of feel like guys are maybe going to start locking up spots here pretty quick, I think. Is it is it concerning to you guys at all that if Nebraska were to end up with a quarterback before, let's say, the recruiting period opens up in January, that there's a chance it's sort of a sight unseen thing? I just feel like with quarterback recruiting, you'd want to at least see them in person, right? Like, can you can you really just trust Zoom so much that a guy does a virtual visit during the dead period and he could be your next starting quarterback? Well, I mean, ideally, he's a guy who has some a decent amount of tape out there um, that you could analyze. I, I thought it was most interesting of all the things at the press conference was Mark Whipple and I really took it as confidence um, that he was basically said, yeah, we fielded a lot of calls from interested parties um, on coming here. I mean, that that's more or less what he said. And he talked about, you know, if they, if they want to see what I'm all about, here's Kenny Pickett's number, you know, um, you can call Kenny Pickett. You can ask him any question you want. That it, so it's kind of this weird deal. This is where we are in college football now, where uh, in a way, Kenny Pickett could be a, a recruiting tool for Nebraska as they try to figure out who this guy is. And I, I wonder if they – I sort of got the impression they have a short list of guys they feel they, they have a real shot at yesterday because of the sort of bravado I felt that Mark Whipple spoke with about the situation. Um, we definitely know they're going after somebody. Um, I've frankly wondered if they'd go after two quarterbacks. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to pull that off or not at this point, but, uh, I, I, I think, I think they're going to get somebody and I, th I think it'll happen. And I really think it'll happen in the next week or so. I, I, I think something's going to pop. Cause it, it just, it sort of had that feeling as, as you were listening to it, that, that they feel like they're really on the fringe with some guys. Brunch, you have any thoughts on this? I think BC's right. I mean, it feels like a situation that's going to be wrapped up 
sooner than later. I mean, they have that last visit weekend before school starts in January, but I don't think it's really going to be necessary to, to use. I mean, I think with the way the quarterback transfer portal is working now, guys are just locking in spots. And for a guy like Mark Whipple, who has a lot of connections, he's been around a long time. I'm guessing that he's got feelers out and can talk to guys that, you know, know these, these quarterbacks and have a better sense of kind of who they are and, and maybe uncover some warning signs too that maybe may not be obvious to some people. All right, let's uh, let's take a break from recruiting talk, and when we come back, we actually got to meet Mark Whipple and Donovan Donnie Riola and Mickey Joseph, and we have thoughts, and we will tell you those thoughts when we return here on the Husker Twenty Four Seven Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, after Scott Frost got off the podium, we, the esteemed Nebraska media, were able to meet with several of Nebraska's coaches, including all three of the new ones that have been hired so far. There is still one opening out there, uh, and I guess we'll actually start with that question. BC, do you have a feeling one way or the other as to what Nebraska is going to do with its last remaining assistant coach spot? I don't know for sure, but I think they're going to hire Bill Bush um, to be the special teams guy. And there's some clues that have been pointing that way for a while now. But also, I mean, even Brian Buscini, the punter from Montana, when they were recruiting him, he was on the phone for a few hours with Nebraska staffers. And he flat out, we have him quoted as saying, yeah, my sense is Bill Bush is going to be that guy. So the recruits are thinking that. Um, and it makes a lot of sense and from a lot of different ways. So that's sort of what I think is, is going to happen. Now, what they do at the running back spot and how they handle that, um, whether, you know, Scott Frost could take that on, whether there's a feeling that the staff could still shift some more with musical chairs, that's all going to be, uh, that's the the part I don't quite know yet, uh, how, how those, how they're going to move those pieces around. All right. Uh, where do we want to go? Brunch, you spent time with Mark Whipple? Uh, I, I, I was at the Rayola table. Okay, we'll, we'll start with the Rayola table then, and then we'll go to Mickey Joseph's table. And then BC spent time with both Eric Shenander and Mark Whipple. Uh, so we will, we'll finish up with that. Uh, tell us about 
Donnie Rayola and what you learned. Yeah, I like I like that they've already got nicknames. Um, but as as Rayola said as he left the table, um, we can call him Donovan. Uh, we're not allowed to call him Donnie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that was the that was the clear directive: is that uh, he's Donovan, not Donnie, to uh, the media. So there's that. Um, I don't think it's been interesting because Nebraska's last few offensive line coaches have been um, pretty willing to discuss a lot of things. And I don't think we're going to get that from Donovan Rayola. I know that because we talked to him for about 17 minutes. And I think during that time, there was about 40 plus questions. So not a, not a man of many words. Um, You know, I, I think, (laughs) He even was asked if he liked doing interviews and he pretty much flat out said, no, like, he's like, no, I don't like doing this. Um, you know, talked about how offensive linemen just need to get to work and, and basically don't be heard from. So he's going to demand, I think a lot from his, uh, his offensive linemen. It's an interesting group that he's taking over. You have some guys that were really touted prospects who have not developed well, um, during their time at Nebraska to this point, you also have a lot of open jobs now that Cam Jurgens is off to the NFL. Um, so th- there's a lot of opportunity there for him to mold. He obviously spent time at Notre Dame as a GA. Um, you know, this is kind of his, his big job uh, as an offensive line coach in, in college football uh, from his time as an assistant with the Bears. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I think he's going to be very demanding of his players. I think he's going to hopefully help with the aggressive at, you know, more attacking, more aggression from the offensive line than maybe what they've had previously. He's very familiar with the big 10 and kind of what it takes, but um, you know, I I think it's going to, it's going to be a situation with him where you're going to have to see it on the field rather than hear it from him because you're not going to hear much from him. I don't think. You think that's by design or just his personality? Uh, both. I mean, I, I think he kind of wants to get to work and coach the offensive line and, and be around his guys. And I, I, I don't, he doesn't strike me as a particularly verbose guy, especially with, with media members. I mean, maybe on the field, he'll, he'll be uh, a little bit more so, but um, I, I don't think we're going to be getting the, the two and three minute answers to some questions that we've been used to from some of Nebraska's past offensive line coaches, which is fine. I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's just a very, it's very different stylistically than what we've had at Nebraska. All right. Uh, I was at the Mickey Joseph table and uh, it sounds like he's very different stylistically than one uh, Donovan, Donnie, Riola. No, Donovan, not Donnie. Yeah. Not Donnie. Can, can, would he answer to that, Donovan, not Donnie? Uh, no, probably not. All right, well, I'm just going to have <laughs> to look just don't, these. just don't talk to him. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that real well. Uh, so I was over at the Mickey Joseph table, and that ran the gamut of everything from questions about his playing days in the 19, late 1980s, early 1990. Uh, BC would know better than I would. I don't actually have any memory of Mickey Joseph as a Nebraska player. Uh, but he has very fond memories of Nebraska as a place. And he he really – it wasn't like he he had to do this, but he really kind of wanted to drive home the point 
that this is a place that he chose to be, that he had opportunities um, elsewhere and that he feels like the timing is sort of perfect for he and his family to be back in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, he has all the belief in Scott Frost and, and in Trev Alberts. I mean, those guys are actual teammates and greeted each other very warmly when he walked into the room on Wednesday. And so I think Mickey Joseph really views Nebraska as a special place. I don't think he's going to have any difficulty whatsoever, you know, assimilating to, to kind of having to, to try to recruit here because I, I think he knows why it's special to him. And he was able to verbalize that to the media. And I think he'll be able to do the same in recruiting. And he also, he also had, you know, some, some pretty interesting answers about just recruiting at Nebraska. I mean, I, I think he also wants it known that the kind of guys that he was getting at LSU, he expects that he should be able to get in Lincoln as well, just because there's a difference in terms of what, the available talent is right here at home doesn't mean he's going to sacrifice the quality that he wants in his room. Uh, and he feels like Nebraska has everything that you can offer a recruit. And he wants that to be the message that gets out there to who he recruits. And so I, I found that really interesting. Uh, he was asked how he feels about being known as a recruiting coach. And he, he, he laughed about it. And he basically said something along the lines of, He'd never really seen a good coach with bad talent and he'd never really seen a bad coach with good talent. And then he sort of just kind of did one of these, like, you know, guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and rattled off some names ended up. Okay. So I, I think that he uh, he's fine. If people want to think of him as, as a recruit first kind of coach, I think he believes in what he brings to the wide receiver room and how guys have sort of improved under him. And he already, you know, if, if you want to use yesterday as an indication, he already has a pretty good feeling for some of the guys that are in his room. I think he likes Oliver Martin a lot. He talked about his route running uh, and, and thinks that's a guy that certainly has more ability than what he's kind of already shown at Nebraska. And he's hoping to unlock some of that. He mentioned Omar Manning and Xavier Betts. And I think Alante Brown's name, Latrell Neville, Will Nixon, all those got in there. And I think he likes what he has in that room but he's going out and trying to get guys to come in and compete because if you're not ready to compete at wide receiver for him, he does not interested in you. And so that's, that's kind of the, some of the big takeaways I had from Mickey Joseph, very personable, very enjoyable experience. I, I think he's going to do quite well, uh, both recruiting, you know, his position and others. He's going to be a pretty popular assistant coach, you know, uh, as we kind of move forward. So no big surprise, former Husker Mickey Joseph, a lot of love for Nebraska, a lot of excitement for the opportunity in front of him. And I, I feel like he, uh, he really believes what he's saying. I don't think it was just a bill of goods. I think he, he's very excited to be back in Lincoln for the long term. BC, you had Mark Whipple. You had Eric Shenander, fresh haircut Eric <laughs> Shenander. Here's how I know it was fresh. When he walked into the room, Trev Alberts made a big show of walking over and feeling up the back of his head, pointing <laughs> out that there was a lot less hair there. Really kind of fascinating dynamic in itself. But uh, enough about haircuts. What did you learn on Wednesday? No, we could talk more. It was a great cut. Um, I, I don't know who did it, but I should have asked because it, it was – Bruns, I think you you took a picture of it. It was – you came over just to take a picture of the haircut, I believe. Did you I not? I was standing across the room and I was like, wow, that's a hell of a haircut. Yeah. I mean, I when Trev Alberts comes up and asks if he can touch the back of your head, he's that impressed by the haircut. I mean, that's got to stand out for something. Did you, did you see Trev and Mickey embrace? 
Yeah, I talked about it. You could have listened when I was talking about Mickey Joseph. Okay, sorry, I I, uh, I missed that part. But that was a uh, th- that was the man hug of all man hugs. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that they crossed over mostly because I have no concept of really who played when pre like nineteen ninety four. I mean, that's basically when everything I sort of know about Nebraska football begins, and so I, it didn't come together for me that Trev Alberts and Mickey Joseph would have been teammates. I had no idea. Well, yeah. They were, and they they embraced loudly. <laughs> there was a lot of back slapping. That's uh, that was the other what? thing. <laughs> there was sound reverberation off of those back slaps. Anyways, anyway, you want me to talk about whip? Sure. <laughs> uh, I thought I enjoyed. I was not around him the whole time, so I don't want to make it something that I wasn't. I did have my tape recorder running, and then I went over to Shenander for a while, and then came back to Whipple. Uh, but I listened to it all back, and uh, it was quite entertaining. Um, and it, it's on our site, by the way, the video of Mark Whipple, and people should do that or read what has been written because. Uh, there's, he's not lacking in confidence. It's the confidence that comes from, I think, four decades of experience and basically having in some way been connected to like basically everybody in the game. Now it feels <laughs> like, like there was a lot of names that were mentioned and for, it wasn't like he'd went out of his way. I don't think to mention them, but you got the point like, yeah, this guy definitely like, like coach Chip Kelly at one point And coach Roethlisberger and he's connected to this guy because of this you don't even have to do the six degrees of Kevin Bacon to get to anything with Mark Whipple it's like two or three degrees and he has some relationship to this guy in football and um, when we talk about you know portal QBs and adding one um, you know we can there can be reports or whatever about Bill Bush or Mickey Joseph going out on the road and those guys are good recruiters but at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to a QB and Whipple really being on that same page and, and a QB seeing like, okay, this is a guy who has done this with Pickett. He's done this with Roethlisberger. He's got a resume that shows that I, he, he's going to be tough on me, but he, he makes successes out of guys and I trust him. So I think it's going to really come down to that Whipple relationship with the QBs and, um, he had, of course, the quote of all quotes saying, you know, QBs who are good usually aren't the nicest guys on the field. Oh. Frankly, they're pricks. And uh, that, so he, he's a guy who's he's going he's gonna to bring a little Northeastern edge maybe to some of our weekly press conferences. Anything from Eric Shenander that really stood out in the conversation when you were over there? Uh, since it's signing day week, I thought his story about recruiting Malcolm Hartzog was – fun and one of those recruiting stories you don't hear as much anymore about a prospect in Mississippi who's a great player and everybody like in the surrounding area knows he's a great player but for some reason it didn't get out to everybody else yet and that's very hard to do as you guys know nowadays in recruiting for a guy to sort of be hidden under a rock a little bit and I'm not saying he was completely that way as a prospect but Eric Shenander he's in Mississippi was going to look at Juco and 23 guys and Malcolm Hartzog's name just is coming up everywhere. Like you've seen this guy, right? You know, you know about him. And then uh, when he was at the Juco school and he said, uh, you know, the town he was going to, they're like, Oh, the secret's out. You, you know about him. So everybody in that area knows about uh, Hartzog who is 
you know, a DB, but also a return man, basically did it all at his school. I think he's a real sleeper in this class, uh, maybe more than that. So I thought that part was interesting. And Chenander talked about the dynamic, too, of, you know, like the summer camps that we attend. And sometimes there's a there could be 500, 700 kids out there on the field, and it's hard to make, like, heads and tails of it. And sometimes you're like, what's really – what's coming out of this? And as Chenander talked about what they got out of a summer camp in evaluating Jaleel Martin and basically getting two and a half hours to coach him up close and just talk to him and run him through like they would as one of their players, that ended up being hugely valuable uh, toward them signing a player like that, who I think you guys would agree is could be a pretty good get in this class. Yeah, that's good stuff. That Her- is uh... – it is, it is really good stuff. Are we talking enough this offseason about how much of a lift it's going to take for Nebraska to continue its upward ascent on defense? What do you mean? Well, I mean, like w- when you have signing day, I mean, you, you kind of start to look at what, what's there. And I know Brian's writing a piece for the site that I guess this is part of a tease for that too, but kind of where these guys all fit into what's going on there. But when you kind of look at Nebraska defensively with what is what is coming back and what is not coming back, I mean, everybody is very focused on Whipple and the offense and quarterbacks and what that's going to look like. But, I mean, there's going to be need to be kind of some really good coaching going on on defense if they want to continue what they're doing. I mean, you're replacing three starters in the secondary, a nose tackle, most of your contributors on the defensive line, minus Ty Robinson – um, and a couple others, um, you still need to find some guys at outside linebacker. I mean, it, it seems like, um, you know, for as good as Nebraska was defensively this year, I mean, Eric Chenander has a pretty important offseason coming up here. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. And it's it, it definitely needs to be taken into account when you try to figure out where Nebraska football can go with things uh, in 2022. And you're going to need guys to make some pretty big jumps. I mean, you got to get Nick Henrich and Ty Robinson and Luke Reimer need to go to other levels, guys stepping into their first time in certain roles. You need Miles Farmer. If he's going to be one of your starting safeties, he's got to play better than he did at the end of last year. And so uh, they're they're definitely going to be relying hard on that 2019 class. Uh, Some guys to, to step into some key spots there. And, you know, they're going into the transfer portal and they're, they're going to look for, were some additions uh, on the defensive side of the ball as well to join Tommy Hill. So we'll see kind of what they're able to, to pull off. And, you know, they're not necessarily done with high school recruiting either. I think that they're probably looking to add another defensive lineman if they can. And, and if, you know, somebody else pops up too that can help defensively, uh, could be a junior college guy, could be high school guy. I'm sure they're going to be looking at that too. I asked him straight up what his biggest question mark was right now. And I even said, is there a worry? And he didn't want to use the word worry, uh, but he did go to the D line immediately and filling in for those guys like Stilly and, and Damian Daniels, which I, I frankly feel like is somewhat his departure somewhat. I expected it kind of, but I also think it's sort of undersold the reaction to it because I just think, he's that valuable. Like if you had him back for one more year, 
he would be such a great bridge player. Um, not the card game or anything, but like a bridge to the, to the younger guys. Um, you know, your weavers, your Buckleys, your Hutmockers, all those guys, if they had one more year behind the curtain where they could play some reps, but not all the reps, that would be so big, but you don't have that it's gone. And so that's to me a, a worry. And I think safety is a worry. Um, I'm not saying they can't find the pieces. And I think these recent DB recruits help. And I, you know, Deshaun Singleton, you're taking a Juco guy, you're taking him to play, like to immediately matter on the depth chart. And uh, a guy like Tommy Hill, you're expecting to immediately be there. And I think Marquise Buford, I'll say it again and again, is going to play somewhere. It's just a question of if it's corner or safety. And uh, I asked, Chenander about Buford and they love that guy I mean they just love him and I just don't see a way he's not one of the main players on the field and they're gonna have to figure out what's the Jojo position look like going forward maybe it's not the exact same as it's always been but how are those reps being distributed out differently now maybe between two or three guys you know how there's a Mike and a Will and a Buck and all those things is there gonna be a Jojo is that gonna be its own name (laughs) for a linebacker position you could, you could do it here and people would know. I've, I've, I've done it in some stories and every, I, nobody ever asked a question. They know exactly what you mean. I like it. Uh, last question I have for you, Brian, do you know how to play bridge? Nope. Uh, right. I, I don't know how to shuffle a deck um, either, which is really embarrassing. If you, I, I've been in situations where I played cards and they pass <laughs> a deck to me and I, I can't do it. Like it's going to have someone else shuffle for you. Well, it's when it, sometimes you get peer pressure, like, hey, it's your turn. Everybody does it. It goes around the table. And I, I try to, like, go to the restroom or something then. But I, I don't believe that you just admitted <laughs> that you can't shuffle a deck of cards. Can't do it. Do you do, Not, the, gr- do, you do the kid thing where you kind of lay them all out on the table and kind of move them around a little bit and then, <laughs> then bring them back together? I make a production out of it. I sort of take one at a time and kind of, like, put it inside and then move this one here. It takes about – uh, five minutes or so, but that makes a point to him. Like, you want me to do this? You want me to to, to, to dance for you? Here you go. <laughs> maybe maybe in a couple of weeks we can do some New Year's resolutions heading into 2022, and among Brian's can be learning how to shuffle a deck of cards. I could do it right here in front of you guys at the end of the year next year, yeah. show you how far I've come. Uh-huh. Bruns, can you name this podcast? Do you want me to dance for you? Here you go. <laughs> It's just, it's going to be signing day 2022. BC can't shuffle. I like it. I like it. That'll uh, be good. Uh, any final thoughts here as we, uh, as we wind down? I, I had some, but I, I forgot what they are now. I, I, I'm just mm-hmm. floored. BC? No, I, I have no thoughts. As <laughs> That's not surprising. I used up all I have in this little brain. Here, here's a quick, quick uh, prediction. Do we, by the time that we record this next week, um, do we know who Nebraska's portal quarterback is? Yes or no? No. Uh, no, but close. Here's a prediction. Nebraska's next quarterback will be playing in a bowl game for a team right now. Oh, that yeah. There's going to be another wave of quarterbacks jumping into the portal. So people – Fair People point. need to pace themselves. This is going to take a little bit. Yeah. I don't want people to hang on the words that like it's happening in a week. I don't know that. I just, I just think 
I think they have some good leads. That's all I'll say. And I know, I mean, the way he spoke, if they don't have good leads, he was very confident for someone who wouldn't have good leads yesterday. That's, that was my impression. They you know, you do BC. You could go and put in low confidence predictions on like nine different quarterbacks in the portal. <laughs> can you put like confidence level three on guys? Yeah, you can. You can okay. put Bo Nix confidence level three. My fe- report, confidence level one. My fear is that this is all heading towards a Christmas Day commitment from somebody. I, I don't think you have to worry about it. All right. I think we're going to be in January before Nebraska has their quarterback, but that's me. That's my guess, which means by tomorrow we'll be having an emergency podcast talking about Max Johnson. Will, B- quarterback. Will BC know how to shuffle a deck of cars before Nebraska gets its portal quarterback? Wow. Wow. Oh. <laughs> no, I won't. That could be fun. That could be fun. All right. Well, for uh, Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunson, and Mike Schaefer, We are signing off here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll be back next week with more more information, more hilarity, maybe more commitments, maybe more portal talk. Maybe we'll even talk about Nebraska basketball, but hopefully not. Uh, All of that and more when we return next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.